Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, where it's all about making the ultimate leap from your nine to five and building a business and life you love, all while doing it your way. I'm your host, Amanda Bolin. Let's get started. Welcome back, you guys, to another podcast interview. Today, I am welcoming Kashira Moffitt, who is an MBA, and she is an award-winning serial entrepreneur, brand strategist, and author who specializes in helping ambitious women entrepreneurs package their expertise brand their influence, and monetize their online presence. Kashira launched the Power Collective, where the mission is to accelerate the growth of small and mid-sized women-owned businesses to create more economic equality within the U.S. The Power Collective is a management consulting firm with specialties in business development, marketing, and branding. So the firm provides private consulting services, online courses, and corporate training programs where they are able to facilitate intimate and large-scale workshops on-site for internal teams. Kashira, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to She Did It Her Way. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to unpacking your journey, how you got here. And a lot of my listeners, as I was sharing with you um, in the green room, that you know, they're really in the beginning stages of building their business. They have this idea. They're thinking, okay, do I go all in? Is this for me? What makes me special? How do I even do this? And so I'd love for you to share with us how did you get started and walk us through chronologically your timeline and your story? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started my business unintentionally. I fell into business. So back in 2013, 14-ish, I was working in corporate HR and I had a lot of friends and peers from college reaching out asking for career assistance. So when I was an undergrad, I actually worked in my college career center because I needed extra income as most college students did. Amen. And I <laughs> did not qualify for the... Uh, you know, the student aid programs where you could like work and have a job and like get paid. It was like, no, I didn't qualify for that. So mm -hmm. I had to get like a regular job, but I had a relationship with our career center director and she's like, well, we have some budget. We can pay you monthly. So I worked at the career center. So I was the person in the friend group who just knew a lot about resumes and professional mm -hmm. development stuff. So anyway, I was writing, helping friends write their resumes and their LinkedIn profiles to find new jobs. We were all fresh out of business school. So we didn't really have a lot of experience anyway. So it was really a lot of helping them with their personal brand. So initially, one of my sorority sisters said, you know, people are going to take advantage of you if you keep doing this like for free. You need to start charging to make this like a side business or something. And I was just so naive. I said, no, they're not. They're not going to do that. And girl, yes, they did. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I had to start charging and I was making it up as I went. Amanda, like I would, you know, $50 here, $60 there. I did, it wasn't serious. Then I decided, oh, I want to create a website for myself where I can use it as a personal branding tool for my career. I can put my resume, my testimonials, and I can have a little services page that outlines my resume and career coaching services. And I had a passion for writing as well. So I decided to start blogging on personal branding and career development. I've always mm -hmm. been someone who's felt like your brand can get you in the rooms you don't even know exist, right? So mm -hmm. initially the, the blog took off. I was really active on Twitter and LinkedIn. So I started to get requests from different websites to blog for them and to be in Twitter chats. And so I was starting to build my own little brand. 
And as I was growing, my business was growing through word of mouth. More friends were getting great jobs, so they were referring me. People on social media started to work with me. And so while I, at that point, I wasn't really serious about building a business, I was at least smart enough to get testimonials on LinkedIn of my work. So people would leave me recommendations. And that led to entrepreneurs reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. Turning out with my very first business client, who was an event planner, 20 years of experience. She saw the reviews. She said, I want to hire you to write my LinkedIn profile content, but I need you to do it so I can get clients. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, but I'll try. And it, <laughs> and it worked. And she loved it so much. She started hiring me for just other stuff that I didn't have hands-on experience in. So she wanted help with her website content. Again, I've always been a strong writer. So she wanted help with website content and managing Facebook and Twitter. And then she referred me to her business owner friends. And so there was one point in time where I'm working with both business owners and career career seekers at the same time. And I realized that I had a bigger passion for working with business owners. Mm -hmm. And so then I had to figure out, well, what's my what's my niche within this space? So it took me a couple of years to really get to where I am now. It's like, I'm very clear on who I want to help and what I want to help them do. And even though I have all of these other skills, like I don't want to be a copywriter. I don't want to be a social Mm. media manager. I don't, I don't want to do those things, right? I've learned where my specialty is, but this has been like a, you know, a six year process for me going from 20, 2014 up until now of testing and trying and uh, adapting and adjusting. And in the midst of all of this, you know, rebranding and having different websites and having a Facebook group and trying out, you know, having my own conference. And there's a lot that we can dive into, but that's really the story. It was really just kind of like following my own steps and recognize where my new passions lied. And I mean, it also doesn't help that I was miserable in every job that I had. So mm. Um, that was also making me question, like, did I, should I pursue business? Am I in the right space? And so entrepreneurship really became an outlet for me just for a number of reasons. Yeah. Okay. So, so much to unpack and I'm like writing down notes and everything that I want to unpack and <laughs> talk about more. So in 2014, you, you said that you were doing these resumes and you were helping people in the industry. So did you take a corporate job right after college? And then I did. Okay. I did. I worked, I worked full time up until, 2009 no 2018 Mm -hmm. actually yeah that's how long I worked I stayed full-time actually my goal was hit six figures then quit and that's what happened so Mm. 2018 January 2018 is when I quit my job yes oh Oh, congrats yay thank you that's amazing (laughs) we're definitely going to unpack that because I tell you what Mm -hmm. the first the the whole lead-up phase and everything that you do and what you experience through strategy, tactical, and then also the mindset piece is like, it's such, I feel, okay, I've never done Navy SEAL training. And of course, I mean, this is just like, anyway, all that to say, it's not easy and it's not designed to be a linear path that all of a sudden you just have, you know, steps one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 laid in front of you. And it's just a matter mm-hmm. of executing oftentimes we're like, what is step two? I don't even know that until I take step one. So that's one piece that I want to talk about. I know that you said you hit six figures in 2018 and made the leap. I'm curious as to like, what was your experience in terms of your packages and offers of getting to six figures? And then how has that changed now after hitting six figures? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the second thing. And then the um, third thing is that you had mentioned you just simply spend years kind of, you know, figuring out the niche and trying things and experimenting that. And you did it all while working full time. Um, I would love, let's go ahead and start there about like, talk to us about all the things that you did while working a full-time job. Yeah. I mean, so I, 
was in denial about entrepreneurships. I'm just going to be completely honest with you all. I do not want to sit here and act like this was always the dream. My dream was to be a chief HR officer in 20 years. So I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. And I, when I was doing the resumes and the LinkedIn work, personal branding work, when I put up my website, the initial goal of that site was a personal branding tool to help me get seen and get visible to transition from doing um, recruiting and like diversity and inclusion to getting like an HR consulting gig. That was my goal, right? The services page on that website was so not cute. It was not organized. <laughs> I mean, if you see it today, you would like be ashamed of me, right? So it just literally said services. And then it had two package names and a yeah. list of bullet points of what it included and a PayPal checkout <laughs> button. That was all you got. <laughs> so um, at that point in time, um, as I was like, just not having, you know, I was getting interviews for different HR roles and I just was not feeling the company cultures of, the, of where I was looking. I was, I was in financial services as a backstory. So I ended up making the transition into higher ed. And what was interesting about transitioning into higher ed is I got my job as the assistant director of career services um, because of the side business. They were so intrigued. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> I had a side business and I had a website and I knew so much about social media. And they're like, everyone on our team has been here for a really long time. We really want to be someone who's like has fresh a fresh perspective, who knows social media. We want to bring you in. And like I didn't have to hide it. I didn't have to hide the fact that I had a side thing. Their only rule was, you know, like don't write someone's resume that wants to apply to get their MBA here because it's like conflict of interest. But other than that, like they were fine <laughs> with it, right? Um, and so essentially I said, okay, great. Well, I'm gonna like continue to ride this wave and see what happens with this. And so initially, I think six months in, I pivoted and got rid of career coaching altogether. I only did business coaching. Um, I created a Facebook community for the women who followed me because I was, I had, I have a very multifaceted audience who mm. they're interested in like business, but they also care about like lifestyle content as well, which I'm also interested in. So I created this Facebook group where we could have dynamic conversations where it wasn't all business all the time. And that Facebook group actually actually created the idea I have for a conference I hosted for four years straight called the Hustle Her Way Summit, which was actually featured mm. by Fast Company. And the goal of the summit was I wanted to create a space, this is 2015, the first one, where if you were a nine to fiver with a side business or you were a business owner altogether, you could come and be welcome. Because at 2015, you were mm. like an imposter. <laughs> if you went to an entrepreneurship conference and you had a job, it was like you were shunned. And yeah. <laughs> you go to a career development conference you mentioned a business they look at you like you have two heads like that, at least yeah. that like, so i wanted to create a space where you could be welcomed if you were both worlds and again our workshops are on everything business career money health networking etc right so that was one angle but again i one recurring thing that i struggled with up until making six figures was money. I really struggled with charging what mm. I was supposed to charge. So everything I used to sell was so cheap. Amanda, my conference included meals and it was $45 for a ticket. Oh my, wow. Yeah. Can I, I want to come to that. Right. Like now, now I've grown up. Now it's yes. actually, now I've actually pivoted that into a retreat just because That's I amazing. like, I prefer more intimate environments. I'm a very, I'm super introverted. So I like smaller mm. gatherings anyway. So long and short of it. Um, I mean, I tried selling digital products. I tried class master classes and courses and I had I've always had coaching services but they were always private there was custom and it was always just completely too cheap and so that 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 honestly is what 
made my journey so much longer to get to where I am now. It's like, I just really struggled with my money mindset. And I didn't know I had that issue until I finally got over myself and hired a coach, finally stopped being afraid to invest. And the coach was kind enough to literally look me in the eye and say, you really don't need my curriculum. You know how to market, you know how to brand, you have clients. The biggest thing stopping you is the fact that you refuse to charge for the value you're providing. Your clients Mm. are making way more money than you because you won't charge them anything. Mm. right mm-hmm. and I'm very coachable so you only got to tell me one time okay and- <laughs> <laughs> I love that I'm like listen you tell me one time I am here like if you have some feet please give it to me I will take it right so I did that and instantly it was like things started to shift and so yeah. I was doing really well with that but I knew I needed to rebrand because I used to have a very Barbie pink brand it was very you know girl next door it wasn't really commanding like prestige and like really like showcasing the seriousness of the results that I could bring. And so I ended up rebranding in 2017, created the Power Collective, launched it at the conference. And I ended up, my first launch was like 40K launch with my services. What was unique about that, that I want everyone to take in is that the people who bought those new services at, I think the the cheapest service was 2,500. The most expensive was 4,000. The people who bought those were people who were already in my audience. They were not new people. Mm Mm-hmm. people who have been following me for years and so a lot of times the people who you're looking for because everyone feels like if they're not making money they need a new audience like oh my audience doesn't buy a lot of times you have the right people there but they're waiting on you to give them something worth buying right oh i love that yes yes, yes. repeat <laughs> that one more time please. <laughs> that I, is I know, repeatable know, yeah right it's like a lot of times the people are right there but you have to give them something worth buying we're like literally trying to sell fairy tales and fantasies for $97. It was like, they, they, they're not going to buy into that. There's no way they're going to believe that they're going to get a life changing transformation for $97. It's just not yeah. going to Right. And so oftentimes we're so afraid of what's going to happen when I come out with my four figure offer. When a lot of times people are going to say, yes, I'm finally ready. Sign me up. Yeah. And so much so that the transformation is in the transaction mm-hmm. a lot of times as well. And like and money is an energy exchange. And I forget, I saw it on someone's social media about how currency is really current and current is flow. And so when there's a flow of that energy and that exchange, there's things that happen that allow us to expand. And we're called to be a different version of ourselves, whether we make a large investment, whether we, you know, expand the prices and increase them, like we're asked to step up to a different plate and become a different version of ourselves as well. Yeah, you are speaking my language, okay? Because a lot of times you are, you can't ask people to do something you're not willing to do. Mm -hmm. And if you study the law of attraction, you really know that you have to vibrate at the level of which you desire. So if your actions and intentions are not in alignment with the things that you put on that vision board, they're not going to happen. The universe is not going to surprise you. It's going to give you exactly what you're putting out there, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you decide to make that commitment to invest in yourself, to take take that uncomfortable leap, however that looks, right? Um, You are now raising your own vibration to be at the level of what you want. And that's when things have to shift for you. Anytime I've made a scary investment, I've made that money back in the same week. It's not because the coach was a fair, was, was a unicorn and just waved a magic wand and made it happen for me. It was because I now made a shift 
right? And now I am attracting that which I do, of which I am, of which I think. And I really want people to take this and do not think that it's fluff, okay? Because you're going to lengthen your journey like I did by thinking that it's fluff. So <laughs> the faster you can learn this, like, the the more uh, effective your strategies will be. And so that was just like the starting point to just so much growth and expansion in ways I didn't even think about, right? And so for me, it's like now I've been able to scale back how much I offer. I, I don't sell nearly as much stuff as I did back in 2015, but revenue is 20X from what it was mm. in 2015. Yeah. It, well, so, okay. I think that's a great bridge from, okay. So you had six figures, 2018, that was the indication you're like, okay, it's time to leap. And how has your product suite changed from what you offer leading up to that 2018 to where it is now? Mm-hmm. Cause I think that is an, you know, I had the same experience where I was throwing so many things against the wall, but never made the decision to finalize and to like go deep. In the moment that I decided to get rid of 80% of the other things that were just noise and focus on the 20%, the revenue in making and bringing in clients has been drastically so much easier. So I would love for you to share your experience and then one to two tips that you would recommend someone who's just starting out from like ground zero. Yeah, absolutely. And I am going to share some numbers and this is not to brag. It's because I'm very transparent. I remember hearing people say they had a six figure business and not knowing what that really meant. It's like, I know it means a hundred thousand dollars, but like, what does that mean? Right. Yes. And so, um, and six 20- figures in revenue, which I talked about this on a previous podcast episode is very different than six figures in like net income, six figure profit. Like they're yeah. all very different numbers. And I think that, yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop talking. I know. Yes, no, I'm, I get round, I get wound up on this too. <laughs> no, you're fine. Y'all are going to learn about profit when it's time to do taxes. Okay. Cause then you start trying to figure out where you can spend more money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so in 2018, I had three core services that I sold. Um, again, the cheapest option was $2,500 and the most expensive was 4k outside of that. That was the last year that I did my summit. So there was summit revenue coming in and then I had, um, a membership community and the membership community is where I threw all of my digital products. So that I didn't, I didn't offer those a la carte anymore. The membership community uh, is really meant for like people who know that they need help, but like they, they honest and truly cannot afford coaching. Right. So that's what that was. But that, I mean, uh, that was such a lower ticket item that it really didn't move the needle a ton like private coaching. So I went all in on private coaching and that's what I did. I didn't have group programs. I didn't have courses. All I had was private coaching and it was like level one, two, and three. And each service had very different results. So, you know, I had one for people who want to start a business, people who want to grow a business, people who want to rebrand the business. That was it. Right. And that's all I sold to get to that hundred K mark. Um, 2019, Revenue was about 170000 when I wrapped that up. And in mm-hmm. 2017, I only sold two services. 2019, I only sold two services. Um, I eliminated one service and I kept the membership group. I then implemented a retreat instead of a summit. The retreat was like a $1,500 entry level point. There was, of course, different tiers. Um, so that took the place of the $50 summit ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the retreat 
and then again the membership community and then I started to integrate digital products back into my business but um, in a very small way um, it was more like oh I sold things passively through email but it wasn't a big to do it was again mainly services and then also I started to get paid a lot more for speaking engagements in 2019 as well so there was a ton of that um, also started to get corporate contracts 2019 so there's one major corporate contract that I still have today where I'm essentially just a trainer, but that mm. also helps with like shifting things. So that was 2019. 2020, we experienced our first 100K quarter. That's amazing. Congratulations. In 2020, I sold a group, I sell a group program now. So it's a group program and then a private coaching program and then digital products passively, then my corporate contract. Um, that's it. <laughs> That's all I sell. I love it. What would you yeah. say then for someone who's listening that wants to start their online business, whether it's like digital courses or, you know, specifically coaching, what are the three specific steps that they need to, that they can take right now to get started? And what is the biggest mistake you would recommend them avoiding? Yeah, I mean, my, and this is something where I feel like I differ from some people in industry, but I feel like one of the biggest mistakes is like trying to jump straight into passive income. It's really yes. hard to have passive income if you don't have active income. And mm. I recognize that the internet has sold us this dream of mm. the laptop on the beach lifestyle. And Girl. this could just be so easy. And I'm like, what seven figure earner you know actually has that lifestyle? Because the ones that I see, they're actually working, <laughs> right? Yeah. They still actively launch their offers, even with ads and everything else. And so you have to recognize that like, yes, you can get to a passive income type of business if you want that, but it's going to take you putting in some work and some effort. It doesn't just come the first product you put out. So that's that. And then when it comes to the, the three steps, I mean, step number one for me, I always say you need to vet what you're trying to package up anyway. You can vet it either by offering one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting or by offering done for you work depending upon your industry i don't advocate for jumping straight into creating courses and group programs when you don't know if your frameworks are, are accurate if you don't even have a framework right <laughs> you need to develop that mm -hmm. just because something worked for you does not mean it's going to work for someone else and one thing coaching and consulting will teach you real fast is how to pivot because at no two clients are the same and your mm. frameworks that you want to sell in a course or a digital product has to be able to withstand the, t the test of time. Meaning it has to be, which is why most courses are really general in the first place, it has to be general enough where everyone that meets your client profile can apply it and get results. But most people don't spend enough time vetting and adjusting their frameworks in the beginning through one-on-one -on -one work to even get to the place of actually packaging it up. So like my first recommendation is one, create the framework. Two, vet the framework, get some consistent results, get some consistent case studies and reviews. And number three, you need to build a brand around the framework. So what that means is one, get your intellectual property game up, get your trademarks, okay? So that's important. <laughs> um, but when you think about, and, and what I mean by build a brand around it is, think about some of your favorite coaches and consultants Whenever you watch their webinars, they typically teach you the same thing. It's typically, before they sell their program, it's typically the same three to five steps. And they give you the, the high level version of it because their program actually goes into detail on it. The reason why they're doing that is if you, can, if you get someone to buy into the framework, then they're buying into the program. 
versus you getting on a webinar and giving away the program, right? Doing all of this teaching and then -hmm. you've left nothing to the imagination. So you really want to build your brand around the the frameworks that you stand on because that'll actually make your sales process so much easier. Yeah. I love that. Especially the, the framework. And we talk about that in ours. So we have a 12 month group. Uh, it's a group coaching program, but it, it's, uh, it's like, um, you, anyone can enroll at any time. And then, the, I mean, I, I'm not going to go into it. It's amazing, of course, but there is that, that structured framework where anyone coming in at any point can plug themselves into that framework. And so when Mm -hmm. we do our live launches, we teach that framework so that they understand the strategy and how it works so that they can plug themselves into it as well. And just to piggyback on what you you were saying too, is that um, kind of vetting out and doing the beta and the done for you, it's almost like getting into conversation with people that you believe that are your ideal client and having those conversations versus spending hours and time tinkering behind the scenes and trying to think your way through the problem because you can't, it's so difficult to create clarity within your mind. The clarity comes from just having that conversation and understanding your ideal client. So I love that you shared that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I mean, I love that you uh, already echoed that because now it's like, okay, you, you're backing me up. Like some people, when I tell them that they're like, they get so frustrated. They're like, but I want to have a course now, but I'm like, well, let's, oh. let's, let's forget having the sales for me, right? Let's, let's pretend, yeah. let's pretend that I could get you immediately with no brand, all of these sales. What happens to everybody that buys that course gets no results? Yes. What yes. are you going to do? Yes. What are you going to do? And <laughs> yeah, I uh, totally. And I think like there's people listening that might be new um, to the online business space that might be well versed in it. And I mean, this even, this whole concept took me a handful of years to really understand and mm-hmm. truly, you know, internalize to get it. And yeah, like what you said, you can go out there. Sure. You can create a course and you can use ads to sell and do all these things and create that passive income. But the person who's a seven figure business earner was not just passively creating that in the beginning. And I think to your point, we've been sold this, like create a multi six figure passive income business. And, and maybe that's part of the marketing and the sexiness of it. But I like to be someone who's like, let's be real. This is not how there's a lot of moments where you are up and down. You're going to be crying. It's, it's, it's hard, which is why not everyone does it, but there's things in the beginning that you can do by having conversations, understanding your like understanding what people want and then creating something that gives them what they want instead of trying to think our way through and be like, what can I recreate? What can I create? And then go find the sale. You can find the people and build the offer together. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say nothing sells like credibility. So if you can get really powerful case studies and testimonials while you're doing your one-on-one and you're done for you, it'll actually help you get more clients and attract more clients. And when you do decide to scale up and get a course or something else, like those testimonials and those receipts, as we like to call it, are going to be the leading things that sell the program. Like, right, having that actual proof um, is going to help you so much more than having really pretty logos and, and a really nice, well-branded Instagram page. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> um, what is a moment in your life where you, in the early stages of building your business when, and maybe you never thought that it's like, did you ever have a moment where you're like, can I really do this? Like, am I cut out for this? Or was your mindset always full steam ahead? 
Girl, I had that thought this morning, okay? <laughs> that, thought, that thought never really goes away. Because it's like, I yeah. feel like with every growth step, right? It's like you go from, mm-hmm. can I make 100K in a year? Yeah. Can I do it in a quarter? Can I do it in a month? And it's like, you freak out at every phase. So that never really goes anywhere. But I, I mean, love that I had, you just shared that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think ba- that people <laughs> are starting out and they have those thoughts and then they think, oh, well, I'm not cut out because I'm having these thoughts. And it's like, no, you're human. Like this is not easy. And you have to constantly lean into it every step of the way. Yeah. It's like, it's like one thing out, one of the one, there's this one doctor show I was watching and they were talking about like anxiety. Right. And they were saying that one of the first steps to combating your anxiety is to recognize that it is anxiety because you know if you have anxiety you know that sometimes it can appear as like you know shortness of breath or it can appear as you you know having flashes or whatever else and it's like the first step to calming down is saying nothing's wrong with me it's just my anxiety right and it's going to be it's the same thing when it comes to like this mindset work it's like knowing that like yes you're going to have moments where you're being really emotional but recognizing that hey I'm just, I'm being emotional. I'm freaking out right now. This is, but this is not the time for me to make a decision, right? I am not going to yes. make a risky decision about yes. my business and just know that it never really mm-hmm. goes away. And especially if you're in the online industry, you can literally have a $10,000 a day and then the next day make no money. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day you're like, I'm flying high. And the next day you're like, oh my God, I need to close up shop. This isn't yes, working. Like literally, I mean, there's been so many times where I'm like, okay, I guess I got to go get my resume together because nothing <laughs> happened today. But it's like yesterday was like literally enough to like, feed 20 families, you know? So it's yeah. one of those things where I just, I always just say, just, just know that there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be waves, but that's every part of life. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people who are married have it. People who have children, people who work nine mm-hmm. to five, we all have those days where we're like, am I in the right place? Did I right to make the right decision? Am I going crazy? Like that's normal. And entrepreneurship is no different. And just know that you don't have to have it all together every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been really fortunate where I am one that loves content. Like I love soaking in content. I actually said on my YouTube, I'm a professional learner basically where um, I turn to content to inspire me during those times. So I'm the person that will go and play a podcast or a YouTube video or watch something that really gets me excited because I know that like sometimes you need a third party source, you know, it's nice to motivate yourself, but sometimes you need to be poured into. And this is at a time when I didn't have a coach. I didn't think I could afford a coach. So I needed to just turn to whatever I could. And so I would suggest that, you know how, if you get sick or or you start to feel like you're getting sick, you feel like a little Mm -hmm. headache coming on, you have like this remedy, right? We all have our own remedy of how we nurse ourselves back to good health. You know, you make your tea, you get your painkillers, you rest, like we have the remedy. Well, I think we should have emotional remedies as well. If we feel like we're not at our, our third, not at our best emotionally, then mm-hmm. what are some steps you can take to get yourself back to full emotional health? Is it a day off? Is it watching your favorite Netflix show? Is it listening to some podcasts? You know, everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's remedy will be different. That's, That's so good. I suggest writing it down and like putting it somewhere that you can see it. Right. Yeah. So like a small example for me is like, I know that if I laugh, I'm going to be good. So I have certain comedies from like the 90s. I know if I turn them <laughs> on, I'm going to be crying, crying, laughing in 10 minutes, right? Mm. And once, once you laugh, laughter is literally the best medicine. Yes. It's like for me, I'm like, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. I'm like back at it. Yeah. And you had said something earlier too, about how we can't make decisions when we're not in a high vibing 
state and it's so dangerous to make decisions when we're down. And I know one of the things that Tony Robbins talks about is that our state determines our story that then determines our strategy. And so it's like, what you're saying is, is what can we do from an emotional remedy standpoint to get ourselves into a better state so that we can create a better story so that we can create a better strategy. I love that. That is so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can really like make a ton of mistakes if you make a decision in that emotional state, right? So I don't make money decisions when I'm not feeling my best. I don't make business decisions when I'm not feeling my best. I don't make personal decisions when I'm not feeling my best. I try to make myself like not have to make any decisions other than taking care of me and getting back to center. Mm, so, so good. Love it. What, um, in your, what's something you're currently working on in your business or in your life as well? right now in this moment. So from a personal standpoint, I am working on my workout routine. <laughs> nice. Yes. What workouts are you doing? So my my gift to myself this summer was a Peloton bike. Oh, so, so okay, who's your favorite instructor? Cody. <laughs> he I don't have a Peloton bike but the building we used to live in did and oh, he's a riot. Yes, I highly recommend it is the best investment. Okay. Um, but Cody cracks me up. But I, so I have this Peloton bike. So I'm getting just more used to like its features because if you use Peloton, you know, they have the app and they have yoga classes and meditation and strength training. So you can actually build a whole routine around this thing. So I've been trying to just get more of a routine because like most people, COVID really just like shook things up. So really yeah. just getting like my, my personal life back on track. And I don't know if you experienced this Amanda because I know you're you have an evergreen program which is beautiful but um really now that I'm moving away from one-on-one and getting to more scalable offers like I have more time and I'm not used to it and so initially I started to try to fill that time with more work and now I'm like no 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 don't do that um I'm learning the hard way (laughs) so any tips you have um but yeah so now just making more time for personal things like my work my workouts my journaling my meditation hobbies I'm a plant mom now okay oh love it I I feel like we could talk all day like what plants are you you know growing (laughs) I have a money tree and I have lucky bamboo I told my mom that I feel like I need more responsibilities. I'm, I'm single with no children. So I'm like, I need something. I'm not committed yeah. to a pet, but maybe a fish. I don't know. So that plants. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's on a personal standpoint. And then from a business standpoint, I'm actually in, a, in this interesting space of transitioning to a similar model as you. So going from open and closed style enrollment for my group program to mm. a uh, evergreen enrollment. And then I'm also working on a, a new program to launch in 2021, which will be like a higher level mastermind. So like my nice. entry level group program now is yep. I help people to start their coaching practice. Mm-hmm. So I'm only working with coaches at this point in time. And like they are learning how to do coaching methodology, um, how to have great client experiences, how to create that first offer that actually drives results. And then I'm going to work on a higher level. Like once you hit that wall of one-on-one, what's next. So that's what I'm working on developing right now. And I'm also going to start writing my next book this fall um, I am an author all my books are on Amazon and my Facebook community my Facebook group they at work we have a really good time together but they've been like bullying me to write a book on uh. and like they keep harassing me about it and so I'm like okay I'll, I'll start writing that this fall so that's like what's on my project list that's amazing. I love it. And you had, um, when you talked about the space and now like more time, cause when you have scalable offers, it frees up time. And I was actually just talking to, um, a one-on-one client about this today that our like brain loves looking for problems. And in the moments that we can find peace and you don't have to be a 
business owner that has a scalable multi six figure business, I don't think. But what I've noticed too is that, and I've had to work through with my brain is that when there is free time and when things are working and when things are going well, that is when my brain wants to creep in and go, we got to stir stuff up. We got to, you know, cause, cause a little chaos because it's not used to living in more of a tranquil place. And it's like training your brain to do that. And I totally can relate to you that it's almost like, well, if you don't have other priorities that are taking your attention, it's just so easy to work all the time. And one thing for me that I've really started practicing is unplugging Friday afternoon and then not re-plugging back in until Monday morning when work starts. And at first it felt really weird. And I was like, I feel like an imposter. I feel like this is very fraudulent. I should be working like, cause that's what I was used to. Right. And then you just create this new norm where you're like, Oh, weird. Like this is what, you know, turning that, that off. And I know you said you have really good boundaries between work and, and business too. So I can take a page out of your book. Yeah. So one thing that I'm working on that's helped me in other things that I'm going to apply to this issue is reassigning meanings to words and concepts. So my brain assigns free time as slacking, right? Like something's wrong. Why are we not working? Especially when you're someone who came from having a nine to five and a business. So you're used to not having free time, right? And so now just reassigning like free time with what it actually is, like space, peace, right? Like an opportunity Mm. to really just tap in and like, you know, do other things. And so really just reassigning that because by doing so, it'll also release the guilt that's associated with not working right because I think sometimes we honestly will feel guilty because it's like we have this perceived success but we feel like well am I working hard enough to have it and it's like yes you are you put in all this time like you deserve to be able to take a day off and not have a dip in revenue because you want to take a day off Mm -hmm. and so it's really just about like reassigning and releasing um, mm-hmm. those, those two things have really just helped me with this other areas of, of life altogether. And when something works, I keep doing it until it doesn't work anymore. So that's yeah. my recommendation. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Yes. This has been such an amazing conversation too. And I've really enjoyed it. And thank you again for coming on the show. I do have a couple, um, rapid fire questions for you to okay. answer. What is something in your life that is a non-negotiable? Ooh, a non-negotiable, um, mm, good question. A non-negotiable for me is lip gloss. <laughs> Literally, I have to wear lip gloss every single day of my life because I feel like I have this like ridiculous obsession with not having dry lips. So I'm like, even I love I'm, it. I have lip gloss. <laughs> I love it. What is, what's been one of your favorite books? It could be business. It could also, it could be fiction and nonfiction. So Traction is one from a business standpoint. And right now I am reading Super Attractor by Gabrielle Bernstein. And it's absolutely amazing. Highly Ooh, recommend. Yes. Love it. Um, what is the best $100 or less purchase one can make in their business? Ooh, the best $100 or less purchase, I would say... Um, I'm torn between Kartra and Dubsado, but Kartra is probably right at the $100 mark. But Kartra is an amazing CRM and it does everything. It's like Envision lead pages plus ConvertKit plus like whatever your favorite affiliate software is plus Teachable. 
all in one. Ooh, I love That's it. That's what Kartra does. So Kartra yeah. is one, but it's going to be right at the $100 mark per month. And then the <laughs> next one would be Dubsado. Mm-hmm. Um, Dubsado is an amazing client management tool. I'm so sorry. Client mm-hmm. management tool um, where you can do contracts, invoices, intake forms, prospect forms, project management. Um, you can add your team members to it. Uh, Dubsado is absolutely amazing if you're a coach. I love it. Oh, this has been amazing. Can you share with my listeners where they can learn more about you and your business? Yes, absolutely. My website is thepowercollective.co, so .co, and I am all over social media. I'm probably on every platform, and my handle is at Kashira. Amazing. Kashira, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm so excited that we got to chat. No, thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head on over to shedidherwaypodcast.com where you can access the entire vault of She Did It Her Way podcast episodes and more information all about how to make the ultimate leap from your nine to five. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you headed on over to iTunes and left a review, letting me know what you love about the She Did It Her Way podcast. Until next time, keep doing it your way.